My name is Jill Phillips and I'm the creator of Who's Shoes, a popular approach to co-production. I was named as an HSJ100 wildcard and want to help give a voice to others talking about their ideas and experiences. I'll be chatting with people from all sorts of different perspectives, walking in their shoes. If you are interested in the future of healthcare and like to hear what other people think, or perhaps even contribute at some point, Whose Shoes Wildcard is for you. I've been thinking over the past few weeks about storytelling. How exciting and what a privilege it is to get the chance to tell your story. How you have to adapt your story to different audiences. What will inspire this group of people? What will they take away? And how to structure the story accordingly. And definitely we need to adapt the story for the amount of time available. Sometimes longer sessions are much easier. One of my favourite quotes is from Mark Twain. I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one instead. It reminds me of when I first set up Who's Shoes and a group of us were introduced to the concept of an elevator pitch. We all had to get our stories down to about 45 seconds and honestly I think some of us would have needed a breakdown in the lift in the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world, to get our stories told in time. I think it's vital to be interested in other people's stories too. Be curious. And of course then you start to create stories together, which is where the real fun starts. You might like to listen to the Magic Mates episode I recorded with my pal Fabob's Flow, Florence Wilcock, on the Obspod. I expect I'll share it here too one day. Anyway, I've had a couple of really great storytelling opportunities recently. I really enjoy the Liberating Structures sessions with the Q community. They're very informal. So, what are liberating structures? Liberating structures are creative ways of bringing events and meetings alive and helping get the best out of everyone, everyone contributing, rather than a few dominant voices and everybody else feeling frustrated or falling asleep. So liberating structures are very much in the spirit of Who's Shoes and pretty much a perfect partner for my work. The Liberating Structures group meets once a month and each session is run by different people who have got no more clue really than anybody else but who are happy to step outside their comfort zone and explore a new liberating structure. I think there are about 34 in total so that we can all experiment and learn together and some of them are really simple. So I was delighted when Christine Johnstab from Minneapolis, yes it's a really international group, asked me if I would like to be part of a session where I would tell my story. Not once, but four times. It's a liberating structure called Shift and Share. I'd never heard of it before, I don't know whether you have. They're a great group, really friendly and encouraging and I've taken part in quite a few sessions but never previously been one of the presenters. So I was keen to get involved as it's only that way that any of these things work if people step up now and then. 
I'm learning a lot about liberating structures from Lise Edwards. Lise is my partner in crime in our current project with Midlands Partnership Foundation Trust around integrated care for children and families. And she's coming soon as a guest on this podcast series, which is exciting. Lise tweeted that storytelling is central to lots of liberating structures. She tells me good stuff like apparently heard, seen and respected and also appreciative interviews are two top examples. So I'll check these out because stories are just so powerful as vehicles for change. Anyway, Shift and Share is described as a way to spread good ideas and make informal connections with innovators. So I would be billed as the innovator and four different groups would come and hear my story and ask questions. So, wow, four chances to tell the Hushu story, chatting and sharing with lovely engaged people from many countries. What's not to like? It was an online session and for me as a presenter, Shift and Share was a bit of a whirlwind, hopping about between breakout rooms and after each 10 minutes being teleported to a brand new group, with everybody else staying put and still discussing the previous presentation. It felt a bit like the two Ronnies. Answer the question before last. If anybody's old enough to remember that, probably not. So, picture the scene. You're in a little breakout room and have just been listening to someone talking about a completely different topic and you suddenly notice that their little Zoom thumbnail has disappeared and I'm there instead. Hello, my name is Jill Phillips. I'm the creator of Who's Shoes, so I'm delighted to be invited to tell you a bit more about it today. Who's Shoes, as you may imagine, is about looking at things from different perspectives. So, listening to people and coming up with solutions together. And basically the idea is that the answers are in the room. No hierarchy, just people. So what was the original idea and why did I set it up? And why specifically did I jump ship from my day job back in 2008? 15 years ago now. So I was working in social care and I became really passionate about personalisation, personalised care, having the person in the centre and getting the services to fit around them seemed a really good idea rather than traditional models. But the more I became interested and the more I researched, the more I got the idea that nobody had really got a clue what personalisation was, although they might pretend to know or even think that they did. So it became a buzzword and I don't like buzzwords. We must have personalisation. So I started to explore. Well, what does that mean? For example, if you're working in a care home, you'd have lots of different people, stakeholders if you want another buzzword. You'd have residents, you'd have families, you'd have the care home manager, catering staff, care staff the people who designed the building in the first place, the people or the company that own the premises. It just goes on and on. What have they all got to bring to the party? What are their needs? So I could see tensions with this personalisation buzzword 
deep, unreconciled tensions that no one was talking about. It's great for people to have choice, but how does that work in a totally risk-averse society? What does choice actually mean? Or we talked about prevention. Fantastic! But I could see that the eligibility criteria for social care, to get any help at all, were going through the roof. So I started to see a bit of hypocrisy, lip service if you like, or at the very least glossing over some really tricky issues. So I wanted to explore what it meant for people from all these different perspectives. I wanted to explore this new emerging agenda and see how much personalisation was really possible. How does it work in practice? So, for example, coming back to their care home, if you want to give people choice, well, how good is that? Surely we all agree with that. But the guy who's been a farmer all his life, does that mean he can get up and have his breakfast at five in the morning? That's his choice. And perhaps the person with dementia, if they'd like to stroll into the kitchen and peel carrots. Well, shock horror probe, what about health and safety? What about choosing your meals? I mean, at home, and this is people's home, I can decide that I don't want anything and then get something an hour later or change my mind at the last minute. But someone's got to order the food in advance. Someone's got to keep within the budget. What is realistic? So many different tensions and the deeper I delved, the more challenges I found. I wanted to find a solution. So this, in a nutshell, is Who's Shoes, and the Who's Shoes concept was born. And the central idea is simple, and it works for any service. So basically, the more different people are involved, the bigger the tensions or difference in viewpoints, the closer it comes to really wicked problems where everything needs to fit together and work in a holistic way, with people working together to find solutions, then the more vibrant a Who's Shoes event will be. So the key idea is you get the real people in the room as equals and you sit round and you listen to each other, like really listen. And obviously over the years the formula has grown a bit and it's got a bit bolder, especially through a noisy use of social media, connecting people with shared passions. And I've come to realise that particularly in an organisation like the NHS, our strapline, no hierarchy, just people, is really radical. Everybody together in the room, listening to everybody, as equals. Really? And you have to value people, and people can tell whether that's authentic, rather than feeling that you're just ticking your own engagement boxes. So valuing people starts long before they come into the room. How did you invite them? Help them overcome any practical problems to get there. Greet them as they arrived. To make everything about the experience human, welcoming and fun. People need to feel that what they say is going to be listened to and that they are part of finding solutions that work. So you get the real people in the room sitting round the table together talking to each other as equals and listening. People with lived experience 
healthcare professionals, community groups, partner organisations, basically anyone who is interested or should be interested in the particular topic. It doesn't all have to be solved by the NHS or any single organisation. Wicked problems never will be. And you can see that with the new integrated care models, this is the holy grail that everybody's seeking. But it needs a bit of creativity and shared humanity to get people to come out of their silos and talk to each other. And yes, everybody's equal, including, oh my God, the patients and the families, listening to staff regardless of the level they're employed at. Because very often it's the porters and the cleaners and perhaps the volunteers the people who might not be included in the traditional team, who actually see the real things going on, and we need to create an environment where they feel able to contribute and speak out. We need to recognise that some individuals and minority groups might have deep mistrust of the NHS or other organisations that represent authority, and we need to reach out to people and seek to understand Trust and relationships take years to build and can be destroyed in an instant. And when we have Who Issues workshops, we have a visual artist recording the conversations and those visual records can become an action plan. And it's fun. And we add love and lemons and cake and human factors. You know, just things that make people feel comfortable. And then they have the open and honest conversations rather than being told... You must come along to our event and tell us what you think, which quite honestly can make them run a mile. So as it's evolved over the years, there are different sorts of iterations, if you like, across many different topics. As well as the original board game, which we use for lively face-to-face -face workshops, there are virtual workshops. These started during the pandemic, but are still sometimes also used for big events where it's just easier to bring everyone together quickly across a large area, such as the recent virtual event that we held looking at triage services in maternity across London. And now, of course, I've got the podcast, this podcast, where I'm inviting all sorts of guests who are courageous and generous enough to talk about their experiences, and typically people who haven't got positional power or formal power often people with lived experience of health conditions or of being a family carer. They're just doing amazing work and sharing insights that others can learn from. I'm delighted to be able to give them this platform to tell their stories and be heard. And then the challenge is to get people like NHS England listening to the podcasts and sharing them, which is ironic when they always say they want to listen to lived experience stories. Alongside this, we're just beginning a digital mini experiences version of Who's Shoes through our Family Integrated Care Project with the Q community and the Health Foundation using audios and all sorts, building on the work that we did during the pandemic. But that's another big story, really. So I'll leave that for now. But through all these different media, it's always the same aim, the same concept. To amplify people's voices help us all see things from different perspectives and bring about positive change. It's been a fascinating journey 
I think whose shoes is seen as, hmm, it's a bit risky. It's so simple, it's a fun board game full of real scenarios and poems, crowdsourced by real people. And they get people sitting around and talking to each other and coming up with solutions together. But the risk-averse organisations might see it as opening a can of worms. We all know how organisations can try and paper over the cracks when the formal inspectors are coming in. Well, they can't do that here, and the organisations that do invite us to work with them don't want to. They want to hear what people using their services are saying, good and bad. And in my experience, people find that refreshing. They just want to be heard, and they want to help improve things. So we have a lot of fun, it's very engaging, it can unlock all sorts of things, and it can lead to some really big outcomes. So the one I'm particularly proud of is there's a new neonatal surgical unit being built in Liverpool at Alderhay Children's Hospital that came from True Co-Production through a series of Who's Shoes events, working also with Liverpool Women's Hospital and masterminded by a wonderful consultant paediatrician called Joanne Minford. And Joe and the team were able to make a business case saying, well... Actually, the physical location of the two hospitals and having to transport vulnerable babies between them just doesn't work without this new unit. And they got it approved because they were able to say, this is what our people said. But they didn't set out to do that at the beginning. I think it's having the confidence to know that you don't know what the answers are, but you'll find them by listening to people. You can't control the outcomes. You shouldn't control the outcomes. Because the nature of co-production is that you don't know what people are going to say until you give them a chance to say it. People sometimes can't cope, I think, with the simplicity, so want to overcomplicate it. I spent years being told, you can't call this a board game. It has to be a management, facilitation, learning and development tool, or whatever. But it is a board game, and people like that. It's fun for me watching really senior managers come on board and start to relax and then start to argue that they should get an extra turn if they throw a six. And it's very action-focused. We encourage people to think about what they personally are passionate about. And if they can think of something from the heart that they want to do, they make a pledge whether it's something small or something big. And they don't need to ask for permission. JFDI, just do it. And instead of us wanting to record the pledges on a spreadsheet and tick them off, we nurture people. How are you getting on? What barriers are you finding? What can people do to help? Who can we connect you with? We have an incredible network of contacts and through social media we can normally link people with someone who's available to help. Perhaps who's already done this particular thing in another area and can share the learning. And then it all becomes more doable and a bit less lonely. And that's where our connections with people like Fab NHS staff who've created their own Who's Shoes collection page are brilliantly helpful in sharing the best stuff. 
typically the easily transferable outcomes that another team can just pick up and use or adapt as they want to. And it might take months or even years, but it's empowering to think, yeah, I can make a difference. So in a nutshell, that's the Who's Shoes story. It has all evolved very organically. For me, it's about finding the magic people that I want to work with. And that nearly always comes from doing slightly wacky things like joining the Liberating Structures group rather than relying on formal channels. Because that's where I meet creative people who think a bit differently and who are prepared to try something new. And coming together with Lise Edwards and her love of liberating structures, we've used two more liberating structures as part of the Who Shoes workshops. So impromptu networking to get the energy in the room and mix things up a bit at the beginning of a workshop. And another one called 15% Solutions to support our pledges at the end. Some of these tools just bring things alive a bit more and help people along. So I found it interesting telling the Who's Shoes story in, what, seven or eight minutes. It focused the mind. And then at each of the repeated sessions, a little Q&A session. And you can imagine across the four different breakout sessions, there's some great questions and they were different in each group. So here are a couple that I can remember. Someone said that she'd attended a Who's Shoes event and could testify as to how lively these events can be and how you really have no hierarchies in the room. So what she asked me was, just how much of this is tied up to the fact that you're such a warm and fabulous person? Well, what a lovely question. But people are right to ask how much something like Who's Shoes, which is built around passion and energy, is tied up with the founder. It's a, it's a fair question. So paraphrasing the question, Who's Shoes has a spark, if I snuff it, will Who's Shoes snuff it too? Well, I was able to tell them. The previous week I'd been unwell and there'd been a big Who's Shoes event in Nottingham using the Who's Shoes board game to explore home birth. As I lay on my sick bed, it was wonderful to watch the tweets and see about 70 people in a room working across Nottingham and Nottinghamshire exploring this fascinating topic and bringing in some performative arts too. I'm so sorry I missed this, it sounds brilliant. Little cameos of people from different perspectives popping up with placards. The midwife, the obstetrician, the dad, the grandma and more talking to the woman who was trying to make an informed decision about home birth and getting into her head with positive and negative messages, showing us the story rather than just telling us. I'll come back to that later. I love it when other people bring their own creative ideas, as happened here in Nottingham. And indeed, this is very similar to an approach that the maternity team in Limerick in Ireland used at Hushu's perinatal mental health event. So some of these ideas move around and get picked up and get changed a little bit between the various workshops, and it's exciting. And now this Nottingham workshop has been written up in detail by Dr Lisa Common from Nottingham University with lots of exciting action points to improve care. So no, it's not all about me. And it always feels good to be able to give a topical answer to a question if possible. 
I think it adds a bit of credibility and it's also more fun than just having a set collection of stories to draw on. New stories are happening all the time. Let's use them. In another breakout room, it wasn't so much a question as a comment. The standout observation for me was someone saying how senior NHS England people really want to do exciting, non-hierarchical, co-production things, but quickly find it daunting and then freeze. Now, obviously, this isn't true of everybody, but this is what this person said. It's easier to read all the books about co-production and quote research and engagement ladders sometimes than actually do it. It can be scary. And it made me think about how different it is being in the centre of, say, NHS England and thinking, how can I make big transformation? And being me and my gang just chip, chip, chipping away, waiting to see what emerges from the conversations and inspiring people to make small changes that, as we've seen, can sometimes add up to really big changes. So, yeah, I guess an interesting relationship with formal power. I think sometimes they love who shoes until they don't like it so much because you can't control the outcomes and it takes courage to embrace true co-production and listen to what people have to say, warts and all. Someone commented too that their trust needed more listening exercises, more face-to-face events and to find imaginative ways to ensure that all voices were represented. So I could feel that just telling my story, rather than actually playing the Who's Shoes board game in a workshop, was itself sparking some lemon light bulbs. So I enjoyed Shift and Share, which was on the 2nd of February. And then, you know how things happen and serendipity and all the rest of it? The whole of February seemed to be all about stories. We use storytelling in our virtual report to the Q community and the Health Foundation about progress with our Family Integrated Care project. Instead of a formal report, we just showed a poem that they had to click on to see the Sway story sitting behind the poem. So what's Sway? It's a storytelling product. I love it. It's my latest toy. Our FICARE project is exciting. Collaboration at its best. We're keen to share the learning and add a bit of zest. Now, sadly, you can't see the lemon emoji there, but you can imagine them. The project is creative. We have much we need to say. We wanted to make it engaging, so we're reporting using Sway. Click. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And then finally, now you may remember me saying that I had the wonderful opportunity last summer to go and see two great friends of mine delivering their TEDx NHS talks in London, Yvonne Newbold and Florence Wilcock, Fabob's Flo as I call her. Well, they have both had their talks selected and published on the main TEDx channel and both have taken off and have been included in the top 10 TED Talks for February. So Yvonne and Flo are both previous guests in this podcast series. If you want to hear them speaking and perhaps hear a longer version or a different version of their amazing stories. And also, I took a bit of time out to get involved in Richard McCann's five-day storytelling challenge. Richard is the son of Wilma McCann. 
Wilma was sadly the first victim of a monster who went on to become the infamous serial killer in Yorkshire. I won't do him the honour of mentioning his name here. It was amazing to hear some of Richard's story. Moving on from such unthinkable tragedy in his childhood to become a much-in-demand motivational speaker. Awesome. Richard shared storytelling tips such as show and tell. Sadly, much harder on a podcast where people can't even see your facial expressions, far less body language and gestures. But it struck me. What was it that made Yvonne and Flo's TED Talk stand out so much? Show and tell. Yvonne was talking about trying to encourage her son, who has profound learning disabilities, through singing little songs to him. And she started singing, provoking spontaneous applause from the audience, which is the ultimate TED Talk accolade. Florence started her talk about the use of lithotomy position in maternity care, in lithotomy position. The audience laughed, once again, instantly engaged. Perfect examples of show and tell. You can watch all the TEDx NHS talks on YouTube and add to the packed Wembley Stadium style 100,000 views that Flo and Yvonne have amassed between them since their talks were released, spreading their important messages across the world. The power of storytelling. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe now to hear more of these fascinating conversations on your favourite podcast platform and please leave a review. I tweet as whose shoes. Thank you for being on this journey with me and let's hope that together we can make a difference. <laughs>